0: Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this next episode. Today on the podcast, we have an award winning, best selling author who has written a book called The Fear and Anxiety Solution. Dr. Friedman Shob is here, and he is going to be sharing how you can personally break through your fear and anxiety. So sit back, relax, and let's connect hi everybody welcome to this week's episode of let's connect i am really looking forward to speaking with dr friedman today on the show uh for those of you that aren't aware of dr friedman he is a man of many talents and skills he is a phd in molecular biology he's an md specializing in cardiology Um, he's a renowned keynote speaker and author He is doing a lot of amazing coaching. (laughs) I could go on and on. He's a best-selling author, as I said in the intro. He's the host of uh, a show on Empowerment Radio, um, and that's actually how I first connected with him. Friedman had me on his uh, podcast and radio show a few months ago when my book came out, Making Sense of Mindfulness, and our conversation really was powerful. He has this way of just showing up um, with just this beautiful energy to him. And so as we were speaking, I just got this inner intuition that I was going to have to return the favor and have him here on on Let's Connect. And so the day has finally come, and Friedman will be joining us in a few moments to share about his work in the world. And all I can tell you is about him that I, I think is going to be really fascinating is that he has this beautiful way of... Um, combining his science background of being, you know, a PhD, and uh, speaking about the more etherical, kind of that um, esoteric, we might call it, world of, some people call it woo-woo, I I call it just um, truth or, you know, spirit. He has this beautiful way of of merging those two worlds and and helping us make sense of that all. So um, it's going to be quite mind-opening today, I, I believe. I um, Before we dive into the the interview with, with Friedman, Dr. Friedman, I wanted to uh, encourage you guys, especially new listeners, to uh, visit my website, keithmcpherson.ca, and there you will find an opportunity to stay in touch daily by signing up for my positive daily uh, affirmations or intentions, we call them daily intentions, where I send out a positive quote to you every day. Uh, also, I'm running a mastermind program Um with my online course, making sense of mindfulness. This is a a seven week program that walks you through the key principles to integrating more mindfulness practice into your life. So uh, please visit me at keithmcpherson.ca for those, uh, those tools. And um, please also feel free to reach out at any point with guest ideas for the podcast. And uh, what's, what's been moving you as you listen through these episodes, I'd love to hear your feedback about guests you've enjoyed breakthrough moments that you've had in your life. And uh, speaking of breakthrough moments, we're going to hear about Dr. Friedman's breakthrough program and more. Um, So let's dive into the conversation today with Dr. Friedman here on Let's Connect. All right, well, joining me today on Let's Connect here live, back uh, together, because I was on his podcast, as I mentioned, Dr. Friedman Schaub is here, and I'm so excited that we're reconnecting, but this time, so I can, can introduce you to all of my uh, community over here in Canada. Thanks for being here.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to see you again. I'm yeah. I'm really excited to talk to you.
0: Yeah, I um, have been following your work since we we first connected on on your podcast, and have to say, I just really admire um, the work you're doing in this, especially in the field of anxiety and depression and really helping people through that. Um, If you were to just take me back to the early days of Friedman, (laughs) before all this happened, (laughs) because you've, you've worn a lot. How early do you want to go? (laughs) Oh, man. Well, you've worn a lot of hats, like, I mean, like physicist, and then, I mean, this into the author and all the stuff you're doing, but yeah, when did this all begin? Like, when did you even get the little spark to know that this is what you wanted to do?
1: Well. I think it started actually when I was a child with dealing with anxiety. So, you know, my parents were both very anxious. They came from the World War II generation and uh, my mom had lost everything and had to flee from the Russians. And my dad grew up without a father and, you know, four siblings. And so they were poor. And I think, you know, the, the war didn't help. My father was a 17 year old boy in the war. Uh, who ended up also in a, in a war prison camp. So they had a lot of anxiety that they, through their, how they talked, how they thought, how they behaved, transferred to their children. So I definitely was a anxious child and, uh, and I didn't know what to do with this. My parents didn't know either. So my go-to was basically at the beginning of my life, just to ignore it. Didn't work very well. And then I figured out, well, maybe I need to really work hard in order to somehow get a sense of love and safety from my parents because they were not so pleased at the beginning with my grades. So I developed this belief of I'm not lovable if I don't have the best grades. I'm not good enough if I'm not really, you know, performing well. And so that really created then a belief and. A, and a pattern that went through until my 30s. You know, I always had to, the feeling I had to be number one. I became a physician because my parents were physicians. I stayed in a university hospital because I thought I needed to become a professor to really, you know, be at the top of the top. And then I had these anxiety and panic attacks during that time as a resident where I kind of realized I need to take a break. I need to make a little course correction because if I continue to do this, I'm probably going to burn out. Wow! So I got a stipend from the German government to go into research. And so that's how I ended up in, in Seattle at the University of Washington to do some basic research, a postdo- postdoctoral research. And then I really got into it. I loved this, just looking into the wisdom of the cells. And I was fascinated by how actually powerful we are because, you know, in medicine, you learn the opposite. You just learn, well, we are kind of flawed little uh, lemons and, uh, you know, the doctors need to come in and basically just try to keep us together. And there in, in research, it was like, no, every cell has so much potential and so much power. There is, you know, really so much that we don't know yet and so much to discover. So I got so into it that I said, you know, I'm gonna stay in research. And so I became then a molecular biologist and got a PhD in that. But then after seven, eight years, I also thought, you know, I really wanna help people. This is not necessarily what I wanna do. And so I went back to remembering how many of my cardiology clients were dealing with stress and anxiety and how that was really a root cause for their issues. You know, whatever, whether they had the heart attack before because they had stress or afterwards they were so anxious and so that's when i you know circled back to anxiety that strangely enough during that time i had overcome through different methods such as yoga and such as meditation and i really felt like now i understand myself better how can i help other people more and and then i delved into the subconscious minds because for me it just felt like Regular therapy and just talking about it doesn't go to the emotional level. We need to go deeper than that. There needs to be something on a, on a deep level that A, is really responsible for creating the emotions because emotions are not really something that make logical sense. And B, also are giving us a reason why the emotions are there. You know, we, we cannot just dismiss anxiety or depression as a malfunctioning of the brain. We have to understand that there is something that an intelligence inside of us wants to convey to us through the emotions and it can't if we're just ignoring it. And the subconscious was just the perfect uh, aspect of our mind to, to really delve into and see what can the subconscious really teach us about why it creates anxiety and how we can resolve it. Wow. And that's how this work developed.
0: Holy moly, that is quite the journey. I'm noticing as you're like as you were speaking, and then uh, the lights went on when you wanted to work with people. As we're talking, although people can't see this visually, uh, the the sun came out in the the place I'm sitting as you were speaking. I'm like everything is so connected with you. It's amazing. It's a powerful thing. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, it was definitely for me, a, you know, an awakening, and it wasn't so smooth. You know, it sounds all nice and good, but it went through a lot of as you know with your own journey you go through trials and tribulations and something inside of you says yes but then my own insecurity said oh no i cannot leave you know yeah. all these years of studying and what will people say they will all think i'm crazy and you know my parents certainly thought i was crazy because you know first i'm a physician then i'm a researcher and now you want to do this yeah. <laughs> it wasn't so easy but eventually Everything fell together.
0: Yeah, I hear that. I've noticed too in your story that, I mean, anxiety has traveled with you for a long time, like from being a child all the way through. And I'm just curious right now, like when you look back on it, what have you discovered about anxiety? Like what is anxiety? Because I hear this word all the time in our culture and people say I have anxiety, but like what is it in in your mind after it traveling with you for so long? What does it mean?
1: Well, you know, there are two layers to this. One layer is the the anxiety that is self-protective, you know, where it's about, let's say, you worry about the unknown because somehow, you know, you want to be vigilant to not get, let's say, uh, in danger or, or judged or rejected. And for me, it was certainly a sense of I wanted to belong and I wanted to not, you know, get abandoned by my parents uh, because I thought they only love me if I really gonna have good grades. So that creates anxiety. So that's a self protective aspect. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, you know, the, people often say fear is when you really know what you're afraid of, like flying, spiders, squirrels, whatever. And anxiety is more the unknown. I think sometimes it's semantics, but the point is that is where this feeling, of, you know, doubt or worry or insecurity and all its flavors has been really evolutionary preserved since hundreds of thousands of years. So there is a reason for that. And the the reason was initially self self protection, but the second layer, I think the second layer is much more interesting. And that's something that I think I understood later on more clearly the second layer is basically that there is something inside of us that tells us we are disconnected from ourselves mm. you know it's like the further we feel disconnected from our truth mm. our soul our purpose whatever you want to call it the more anxious we are you know i was on the wrong path when i was in cardiology i was highly driven i was all in my head i was all looking for accolades i told people i'm a doctor i didn't even see myself as a Human being. I only saw myself in that role. And that was so far off. And I realized that I was far off because I found myself sometimes going to a church. And not that I was particularly religious, but I was looking for something. I wanted to find that place of peace again. Right. And that's only something we can find inside. And so when I work with people, I often see the first is to find safety and security. That's you know where the anxiety finds a huge relief when you address where it comes from. But the second step is really to find yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: when you find yourself and you find a home inside of you and you understand more who you are, then the anxiety is completely quiet. It's almost like it just nudges you until you're finally looking inside it. And that's what I see with people, especially that are so busy, 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 Mm -hmm. and they never really look inside. And all of a sudden, the anxiety makes them stop. And for the first time have to feel themselves again. Mm -hmm. And the anxiety needs to do this in a very strong form because otherwise we wouldn't pay attention. You know, it's like with the pain. We only pay attention when the pain is strong enough to actually to make, you know, make a stop and and figure out what the pain is all about. And that is a pain of disconnection from ourselves that I think anxiety is often really at
0: the root of it. Wow. Well, I'm just thinking as you're speaking about the state of our world these days and I mean every second person I bump into speaks about how anxious they are. So would you mm-hmm. say that like the majority of the world is is off purpose or disconnected from their true self right now? Like what's your take on that?
1: I I do feel that we are disconnected because we are identifying ourselves so much more with what we do or what we have and what we can purchase and what, you know, careers. And we are not really identifying ourselves with the person that we are. And so when people lose their job or they, you know, have less money or they are, you know, divorcing, all of a sudden they, they feel completely lost because they don't really know who they are and what to hold on to. And part of it is also that we don't really sit with ourselves. I mean, even when we're sitting at home, the TV is running, we are on our phones, we are so outside of ourselves. So the disconnection comes also from that lifestyle of constantly looking outside and you know, comparing ourselves, thinking what other people are doing on social media, what are we not doing? Yeah. And it's not really a quest for the self and I think that's, yeah, one of the main reasons why there is an anxiety epidemic.
0: Yeah, it really does feel like an epidemic. I'd agree with you on that for sure. How How is it for you? I mean, I'm curious just because I'm very much in the same field as you in a lot of ways in terms of helping people through this. I find personally being a practitioner of this, it's easy to speak about, but oh my goodness, can it be hard to integrate? Because the distractions are all around me. I'm constantly pulled out of the present moment and And feeling this, how do you cope with it? Being in this field, you know,
1: I mean, I have to say, my clients are amazing teachers because they always seem to marrow back to me what I'm struggling with. So I'm always (laughs) thinking, okay, what clients do I attract right now? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, that's what you need to also focus on. And I had to move away out of the city. You know, we lived in Seattle, in the middle of the city five hospitals around us, you know, airport, not too far. It was just really so much stimulation. And now we're living in the country and it's very quiet. And, you know, that really helped me to not get too distracted. But it is a discipline. You know, you have to ask yourself when you want to have 10 minutes of just disconnecting from work, what do you want to connect with? Do you want to watch the news? Or in my case, I'm lucky that we have horses. I'm going to go out and give some carrots to the horses. And just doing that, being with the animals, connects you so much more with nature and through nature also with yourself. So these choices are available to all of us. We can just, you know, I think looking at a tree is something that connects you. You don't even have to leave the house, but just watching a tree being steady and maybe flexible in the wind, but just seeing the beauty of, that uh, that piece of uh, art of nature that can connect you we just have to really not feel oh yeah i'm gonna have to do hours of connection to really feel centered yeah. i think the more often we do it daily the faster it goes it doesn't have to be very complicated
0: wow that is beautiful you know you speak to and i just keep getting the sense of like the mind-body connection and, uh, I mean, most of us are living most of the time in our mind, I believe. Um, but can you speak a little bit about your experience and research and awareness of the mind-body connection and how that plays into all of this as well?
1: Well, you know, the mind-body connection, I think, is uh, important to, you know, in the context also of the subconscious mind because the subconscious is kind of you know, the intercessor between our conscious mind In our physical body so when we are giving any command like you know just lifting an arm for example there are like 15 muscles that we are either flexing or relaxing in order to do this but it happens automatically Mm. and that is where the subconscious is really just following through with the command and make sure that we are you know doing exactly what the, the conscious mind is intending to do so the subconscious is very powerful now the subconscious also Is uh, putting our emotions sometimes into the physical body. Like, you know, we all know stomach aches can come from just stress or the pain in the neck when you have really a a terrible relationship. Or, you know, I have clients sometimes that just have these interesting, you know, uh, sensations like dizziness where they know, well, I'm feeling totally unstable in my life right now. And so I feel like this, you know, this dizziness is constantly with me and then when their situation changes all of a sudden the dizziness disappears so there are a lot of metaphorical manifestations of emotional or situational problems in our lives and that's again the subconscious doing this and i think if we would pay more attention then the you know the subconscious wouldn't necessarily have to put this in the body because i think sometimes you know we are creating physical uh, expressions of our emotions because we haven't listened to our emotions you know you say we are wow. mostly in our minds but we are not really in our emotions we are avoiding our emotions especially when they are uncomfortable when you and i you know have experienced this you feel anxious you feel stressed oh let's distract yourself let's not think about it let's medic self medicate or whatever it is but the uncomfortable emotions we shove aside and that is i think sometimes when the subconscious says okay you're not paying attention to your feelings let's put it into your body right. and that can be lack of sleep but it can also be physical uh, problems and and i could talk for hours about the uh, mind-body connection because it's one of the most undervalued uh keys to healing in our western medicine if western medicine would be a little bit more open to hear that the emotions and beliefs create even autoimmune diseases or cancer. Mm. And if then we would be not only fo- focusing on the physical form of the problem, but also in the emotional form, I think healing would happen much faster. Wow. I mean, like, especially autoimmune diseases. That's such a, a shame that we are not understanding that it's a battle with ourselves you know the wow. autoimmune disease is like the body fights itself and why does the body fight yeah. itself because you have some kind of a conflict inside of you that you don't resolve and i'm not just talking theoretically mm-hmm. i had many clients that had crohn's disease colitis and uh, and you know fibromyalgia that is you know, they are all considered autoimmune diseases oh, but no. by resolving the conflict that was causing them in the first place their symptoms went away. And that's something that I feel like we need to remember there is a lot of healing we can do ourselves. Of course, doctors can help, but there is also a responsibility to take care of our own healing by uh, acknowledging the mind body connection and what's possible when we work with it.
0: Wow. I'm just like, well, I have a million questions for you now on this. First, it's so refreshing to hear a doctor speaking about the mind body connection in this way. In addition to Western medicine, why do you think like Western medicine hasn't fully adopted this uh, emotional piece that you're speaking about? Like, what's the resistance there? What's happening there?
1: Well, I think partially it's that there's just not really time to delve into psychological problems. You know, it's, uh, mm. it's uh, you have six minutes with the patients on average as a physician yeah. and all you can do is just like, how is the medication working? Let me write another prescription. Off you go. Yeah. And that is just unfortunately more the, you the know, industrialized way medicine is working. And we're, we're seeing more as little machines than real individuals. And that's, that's one problem. I don't think that there is space for doctors to really delve into that. But the other issue is also that pharmaceutical industry has a lot of power over how western medicine works and pharmaceutical industry is not interested in the mind-body connection it's interested in symptom uh you know dealing and symptom fighting and so whatever they can develop to make you pain-free or to uh, suppress the inflammation to make more billions and billions that's what the research goes to so there wow. is not a lot of research sponsored in regards to mind-body connection there are some and there are many about meditation mindfulness meditation as a route to you know reduce blood pressure and also yeah also inflammation and things like that so but that's not necessarily something that where the money goes because research is ultimately money driven uh and you know unfortunately that is not a place where there's a lot of financial backing yet hopefully it's on point but uh Glad they're happening yet so
0: much? Yeah. Wow. Thank you for your honesty on that. And I just, it kind of makes me frustrated to to hear that and to to realize that because, I mean, like you're saying, like autoimmune disease and the connection to potential cures for cancer and, and just even in the clients that you've worked with, hearing some of those stories. I mean, I've definitely had a similar thing in my work. Just seeing people shift their beliefs or shift their yes. their state on an emotional level and healing takes place. And it's like, wow, you know, uh, that's incredible. I'm curious on this piece, uh, mm-hmm. emotions. We talk, you've been talking a lot about that and I'd love to hear what that, what, what is emotions exactly?
1: Well, that's a really good question. I don't know. I mean, what I know about emotions is that I think they are really beyond anything chemical, beyond anything, uh, you know, electrical happening between neurons. I mean, these are manifestations, but I think emotions are consciousness. I think emotions, I mean, especially an emotion like love, is definitely something very, uh, you know, beyond our understanding of what really happens in the brain. And and I think that's also true for anxiety because in, in some ways, yes, you can say, well, there are some, uh, biochemical uh, changes happening in the brain but it's still something that goes beyond that and mm. I wish there would be something that would allow us to measure what happens in our field, you know, in the electromagnetic field and that would then really show that what changes with our emotions uh, goes beyond the physical form. Now what's, what's interesting is that, of course, you know, for example with anxiety, there are studies that have shown that we can um smell anxiety from other people that there is something and it's still not really clear how we do it but when we wow. are so they call it smelling but basically what happens is you are around other people that have anxiety and you are also picking up this anxiety yourself without ever having a conversation with those people and so there's there's just something that gets transferred and and so it's a, it's a fascinating thing to To really realize that there is a mind and there is a body. Mind in this case, meaning neuro, you know, the the nervous system and the neural pathways. But then there is consciousness. And I think consciousness is something that is still not explored or fully understand, understood for what that actually means in, in that, uh, you know, human form that we are.
0: Wow. That's like fascinating to me that there's just the unknown, but we do know that there's something beyond that we reference as consciousness. So powerful. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I just did a show about death and, uh, and there I did some, uh, you know, I, I looked into near death experiences and you could say, well, you know, this is also a form of consciousness. What happens when, people, you know, from different uh, countries and different uh, uh, cultures describe exactly the same thing when they had near-death experiences, which is you're leaving your body and you're looking down on your body and uh, you're hearing what people are saying in the room. And, you know, what is that what leaves the body? I think that's the consciousness I'm talking about. And I think that is also at times really something that, has a lot of influence on emotions or maybe even the root of our emotions and uh, has certainly a lot of influence also on in how we feel in our body and whether we are connected or not. Are we connected to that consciousness or are we disconnected? It?
0: Wow. Because all
1: we know, we cannot just live in our heads. You know, this This whole talking about you have to be connected to your heart, you could translate also, well, you have to be connected to that consciousness that goes beyond that uh, physical, uh, what we are, you know, what we know, or what we are identifying ourselves with.
0: Right. Uh, one thing I've loved about your work is that you created so many tools and ways to do this work. I mean, you have this breakthrough program that you've created, and I'm just curious, like, how does one start to even make connection with their co- this consciousness and this place that we're talking about? to to heal and to to move beyond the busy mind that's
1: a really good question you know i think it's probably for every person a little bit different Mm -hmm. but uh, i mean certainly meditation which you know all about is one way to you know create uh, a space for the consciousness to present itself and for you to listen to or connect to the consciousness but I also feel like that this is happening when we are removing these, uh, these layers that we have created. You know, there is a process I help people with where they go back and back and back and back in time to basically before they were even conceived to really connect to their consciousness. And it's really fascinating to go through this process because nine out of 10 people see exactly the same thing which is just this amazing light and they may come from complete different belief system but there is a light and they feel connected to this light and it feels so warm and welcoming and feels like they are bathing in an ocean and it's it's, why why do we have even though we have no pre-knowledge about what other people have experienced why do we do the same Or have the same experience when we go to this place. So that's one way to connect to that consciousness, just to separate yourself from everything that you in this lifetime may have identified yourself or experienced and just go a little bit further beyond that. And another way is just also really connecting to nature. You know, I feel like the purest connections we can have is with nature and is also with animals. You know, when we are with an animal, they are authentic, they are real, there are no lies, there are no pretenses. And, and I think our truth, which is what I think this consciousness is all about really connecting to authentic truth, when you are connecting to something that is authentic and truth, you're much more calibrating with that, than uh, you know, maybe with another person who also just is insecure or struggles with their own uh, truth. So animals, Plants, nature, mountains, whatever—that always can give you a way to reconnect with that. What was beyond our understanding of self.
0: Wow, <laughs> you're bringing me to that place just by speaking about it, and I feel myself going into La La Land, going, "Oh, I just want to be with the trees and the nature." It's so it's so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> transformative just to think about it. Like you know, yes, that's I, true. I'm curious from you, like, how does one find the balance of this? Because, I mean if I let myself go to this place of just always being in nature and connected, like I almost feel like nothing will ever get done because I'm just constantly in this bliss state. Is that like the ultimate goal or does one need to find balance? Like what does that look like to, to integrate this into no, your life?
1: I, I think we have to trust that our nature, our truth is like the universe in itself, very expansive. Mm. I mean, when you're putting a, Let's say there is a seed and the seed would be your truth. You put the seed in the ground. It's not just sitting there happy being its truth, but Mm. it wants to grow. It wants to expand. It wants to express itself. I think once you have connected to your truth, I mean, you know, I don't know if I really know everything about my truth, but I know that I'm really having glimpses of it and that doesn't make me want to just be in la la land it makes me actually feel like oh now i know what i'm here for now i have wow. you know passion for something there is a there's a purpose out there and so it's it's really not the the comfort zone what the truth gives you it's much more the foundation to grow from and expand from so there is no need to be afraid of i think if you want to stay longer in the truth place that usually means that the batteries are empty and you need to really spend a little bit more time to to connect to that but there will be a time when you just have that you know like the heartbeat there is this contraction so take time to contract but then there is the expansion and that's exactly what's going to happen there too well truth uh, You want to expand, you want to share, you want to be a part of it all. And uh, so I think that's very, but then it's not driven by ego or not driven by fear or not driven by shoulds. It's actually driven by joy and driven by, you know, really seeing yourself as an integral part in the web of life and knowing that you have a meaning and a purpose, you know, you belong. That's a whole different way of expressing and living then. Oh if you're God. just going, you know, through the motions. And I think that's un- unfortunately what most people have to do or feel they have to do.
0: Right. It's so interesting that we come into these bodies and kind of forget the essence of who we are. Like, I mean, I've heard people reference this before. And we've got to go, a lot of us, through these struggles to find this place or to discover this place and maybe know it for the first time even. Um why is that? Have you, have you given any thought to like, why is it that people come in and they have to go through this? I
1: don't know that they have to go through this, but I think it's very <laughs> cultural. I really think that our culture, which is very much uh, you know, driven by, well, as soon as you barely can talk, you have to already learn something, you have to go to school, you have to follow rules, yes. you have to measure up to expectations. I mean, we don't have freedom to explore, you know, it's like you, you have a total connection to your essence when you're born. But soon after there are all these expectations and all these ideas on you and all these things that you are forced to do, whether you like it or not. So I think we are stifling our truth. We are, and and I can say it for myself, I have a very good recollection of my childhood because I think I had to be so aware. Because mm-hmm. my parents were fighting all the time. So I was always like, you know, looking out for what's happening around me. So I remember how much I was connected to something which is light and, uh, you know, easygoing and happy go lucky. And, and then, you know, maybe at the age of eight or nine, it totally shifted into. Now you have to really conform, you have to, Jeez. you know, look for how to be in order to get approval and all of that, what was so magical. I mean, I was really, as a child, I saw energy. I saw the, the, you know, I woke up at night and I could see the wall in its molecular structure, which was really, and I told this to my mom, look, there are all these little, you know, spheres. And she said, oh, you just have a fever. Yeah. but I, I'm sure that there was something there, but I totally lost it. You know, when you go into this, "Oh my God, how do I need to perform now, or what do I need to do now?" All of this you know magical connection to your truth just disappears wow and yeah. uh, and I think you can refine it, but i don't I believe there are cultures that we may deem more simple. But where's more space and more, you know, just openness and more room for people just to be in their true nature? And, uh, and I, you know, there are some schools like Waldorf schools, and uh, they certainly still foster this, you know, natural unfoldment of a child's self rather than trying to just squeeze them into some uh, cookie cutter form. But
0: wow,
1: fortunately, not so common.
0: Oh, man, I totally just want to go live in that state. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> New culture, culture update. <laughs> do you do you get a sense like that, although we're in a real peak of anxiety in our culture, like at some point, this is going to have to happen, like the simplification of um, things in order to kind of remember who we are. Do you, do you see any of that kind of happening in the future? What's your I take hope
1: on it? so. I really hope so. I mean, I don't know if... Um I don't know. It's like this, you know, on the one hand, you could say we are getting more and more distracted and we are getting more and more somehow off track. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I mean, I believe in this whole idea of the age of Aquarius and the Piscean age that we come through. It's, I know, kind of esoteric, but I really like the idea because I can see it, how the world right now is split into Mm. the old forms of holding on to power and control and money and, you know, what's in it for me. And, and there are other that are much more about compassion and connection. And, and I think that other way of living is also more simple is more about let's, you know, simplify how much, uh, you know, simple as, how many uh, grocery bags do you take home from the store? You know, none because you bring your recyclable bag with you. And uh, so, you know, there there is also this other mindful about nature, mindful about uh, you know how much uh, footprint you have here on the planet. So there is a tendency there, but it's very split. It's I think it's even fifty-fifty, and I don't know which side going to eventually win mm. out. And I am concerned sometimes that the the side that's still in power creates so much damage and creates such a a disconnect from truth Mm -hmm. that uh, it's going to be a long time to recover from that. But we'll see. Wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What I'm so appreciating about you is just your dynamic range from this background of science and study in that world to like just even the esoteric references that you make like it's quite a range that you hold in terms of your (laughs) your being like your whole person is really alive in this um is there anywhere along the way that you see a marriage between like the science and your background there and the more esoteric like what are you discovering in terms of that is there any connection between the two that you're finding
1: yeah you know I mean, obviously, quantum physics is what comes to mind right, where huh. there is just this uh i mean I think quantum physicists are just fantastic because they always are curious to look beyond that what we can even imagine wow, and what I just find so fascinating is about that field you know this this field that connects us all you know in esoteric. Teachings—it's all about oneness and unity, consciousness, and being connected with everything there is. And you know, quantum physics talks about, you know, how there is a almost like a you know like a soup of energy that we are all in, and that basically our thoughts can travel through the soup of energy and reach other people through you know that connection that we have. It's not completely proven, but now, you know, just recently when they found this fifth force, I'm not sure if you heard about that. No, which say is more. <laughs> basically, well, you know, basically there are four forces, you know, electromagnetic gravity and two nuclear forces. And now they found a the fifth force, which is completely unknown. And it's, a, it's like what happens when particles fall apart. This one force that emerges is a force that's connected to more the dark matter energy. And uh, and it's kind of a, a particle that's afraid of light almost and just, you know, goes to the darkness. And it's very interesting. But what they talk about is that the hope for a unified field where really, the ins- you know, this is what I'm just talking about, can be more explained through finding this other force, this fifth force, which, you know, may explain exactly what I say about this connection to others and, uh, you know, this really being able to, I just feel that you and I, even though we are far away from each other right now, are actually in our consciousness and in this energy, directly linked in and uh, so those things I know can really you know make esoteric ideas uh scientifically proven. It may take a while, but uh, i don't think esoteric you know often is just poo pooed pu- pu- as wishful thinking, you know just like you know this idea of uh, the law of attraction yeah. i think all of those things are you know just something that physicists are lacking behind improving but this is exactly what what can happen and what we should use more and we just have not been necessarily you know allowing ourselves to do this because we said well this is just you know not scientifically backed up but wait 50 years there will be much more to come about
0: I mean, being on both sides of the, the coin for you, why, why is there such a... I mean, I have friends that would just call this all woo-woo. They'd be like, this whole esoteric thing is a bunch of woo-woo. Like, why is there such a drive in our culture to scientifically prove something versus the power of just believing, just being open to believing?
1: It's really interesting. And, you know, what I... Is, I mean, I was a researcher. So, yeah. I mean, I know that science is basically contradicting itself all the time. So whatever we are thinking, science explains, (laughs) two years later, there will be another research that says exactly the opposite and whatever we believed before will actually have to be unbelieved. So if we are thinking science is really the truth teller, no, it's an opinion. Mm -hmm. And it's an opinion that also just expands along the way. It's a belief, right? Now you believe this because you have some research well, next year you're going to believe something else because some Japanese professor found something else. So um, I don't understand why we are holding on to science so much as that's what we need to really believe in. I think, you know, healthy skepticism, some kind of, uh, you know, good head on your shoulder and common sense is certainly uh, reasonable. I'm not telling myself I can walk in water, jump off a bridge and be, you know, getting wings all of a sudden but <laughs> there are certain beliefs that you just feel so connected to and you have evidence in your personal life that they are true. Why not really holding on to those beliefs? I yeah. don't know, yeah. it's uh, beyond me. Sometimes I feel like we are arguing more for our anxiety than we are arguing for feeling good. I mean, I see this sometimes with, our, with my clients that they're way more invested in proving themselves that there is a reason to be afraid then they are invested in arguing for the leap of faith and trusting. And that's the habit. And we just have to really turn that habit around because (laughs) it's definitely not helping.
0: Wow. Well, speaking of turning that habit around, you've got a few things that um, that really stand out to me. You've got the Fear and Anxiety Solution book that you've written. Right. right? Can you right. share a little bit about that book and what uh, what is the solution if you're in anxiety? <laughs> you got Besides, <laughs> you got to read the book, of course. But
1: no, I mean, basically, what I wanted to say in this book is based on what I have, you know, experienced. There it was like ten years of working with clients that we don't have to be afraid of anxiety, mm. and that anxiety is not something that is an enemy or a dark force inside of us, but it's something that we just need to understand and connect to and that it's often has the internal representation of a child. You know, that's really often the anxiety is like a child wanting to just know that the past doesn't repeat itself, that we are safe, that you the adult know what you're doing, that, you know, again, it's about self-protection in this regard, that those beliefs of We only are lovable if, or the world is a bad place, or we are not good enough that those beliefs are not true. So it guides you through different steps that address those often childhood rooted uh, causes of anxiety and and helps you to resolve them. Mm. And then it helps you also to connect to your essence. So there is one meditation in it, a process in it that really goes to the core in your in your heart to that essence in your heart and it goes through the cells and it goes down deeper and deeper down into basically the molecular structure down into the atomic structure and and then you connect to your inner light and it's a it's a really nice way to you for you just to also see as you go through the book that it's a journey mm-hmm. overcoming anxiety is not a battle or Some, you know, I hear people going to psychologists and they are saying, Well, sorry, you have to live with this for the rest of your life. There is nothing you can do. And I think that's so terrible to get that message. And so the book is really about seeing anxiety as more a catalyst and ideally as a friend and not as a foe.
0: Wow. That's powerful stuff. I like, I want to take the meditation that you just mentioned now. (laughs) <laughs> and, and then and then the Breakthrough Program that you've created. Tell me a little bit about that as well. I'm totally fascinated by that.
1: Yeah, and the Breakthrough Program is basically that, what I just described. It is a journey from, you know, you seeing yourself as an anxious person to you seeing yourself as an empowered person. And, you know, it, it leads you, I believe, also to your purpose you know a lot of people that i'm working with just saying i get help me to get rid of my anxiety but then they realize oh actually that's what i'm here to do and this is what i want to really uh, more share in the world and so they change their jobs or they write a book or they start uh, you know i had a client who was dealing with anxiety she lived uh in, in kuwait and uh, and she grew up in uh, jordania and uh, and then she realized, you know, uh, what she really wants is empowering women. So she started like a, a coaching program for women in the Middle East to be more empowered and be more confident. Wow. So those kind of things happen in the Breakthrough program where you really see the anxiety just bringing you home. And then in, when you're at home, you read your own book of truth. You figure out what you're really up to here and, and then you go for it. And that's kind of the yeah. That's
0: amazing. Is the breakthrough program an online program, or is this done in person, or how is it delivered?
1: It's in person, so there is a, a video program that people can do, but that's like you know through different steps and sessions. Yeah, but that's online, and then there is in person. In person meaning like with Zoom, Skype, phone, sure this kind of
0: thing. Absolutely, yeah. It's quite amazing the technology we have these days. To- That's
1: actually really nice. Yes, yeah. I have to agree with that. <laughs>
0: amazing. Uh, those of you listening, I want to encourage you to go check out uh, Dr. Friedman's website. So I uh, will post that in the show notes, but it's drfriedman.com. And uh, you can find out about his book, The Breakthrough Program, um, doing some work one-on-one through this amazing technology if you're not in the same place. Uh, you can find out all of these amazing offerings and stay connected to him. I. I feel uh, Friedman just being around your energy, and we talk about that uh, that soup, that connected soup you mentioned. I, I just I f- always feel so good when we connect. You've got this beautiful uh, energy about you, and I it's like almost as if I see myself every time we talk. I'm just there's a oneness here, so I'm very grateful.
1: Well, Thank you. Likewise. That definitely is a mutual feeling. We have a good soup going on between us.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a good soup, especially up here in Canada where it's freezing cold. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, Thank you very much for joining me today on the podcast. And uh, I look forward to, to staying in touch and hopefully you'll come back and visit us again soon.
1: Oh, absolutely. It would be my pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. All right. Well, that concludes another episode of Let's Connect. And I hope you're as inspired as me after that conversation with Dr. Friedman Schope. What an amazing mind and spirit he is. Be sure to check out his website at drfriedman.com for a copy of his book and to learn more about the breakthrough program that he offers. Until next time, everybody, thank you for joining me. And I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of Let's Connect.